Welcome to Found in Space, a science podcast for kids and teens. Nathaniel has a stellar question for us today. Are there any stars bigger than UI Scooty? So Nathaniel, thanks for asking this. So let's start with, yes, amazingly, we have actually already found bigger stars. But let's explore this a little bit more because there's a lot to unpack when we're talking about stars. So first of all, let's address the funny names. UI Scooty, kind of sounds funny, right? Well, stars that are nearby to Earth and look really bright to us often have old names that were given to them by cultures long ago. But stars that are a little bit more faint looking, maybe it's because they're very far away or because they're small stars, or even stars that we have to see through telescope alone, well, these often don't have names like Sirius or Capella or Bellatrix or things like that. So they'll just have what we call a designation. And often we will name them after the constellation or the part of the sky that we see them in. So UI Scuti is in the constellation of Scutum. Some other famous stars that you might have heard of would be, say, Alpha Centauri. That's the brightest star in the constellation of Centaurus. So we start by giving them Greek letters for their names. Alpha would be the brightest star, and Beta the next, and so on. But eventually, we run out of Greek letters because there's a lot of stars. So we start giving them Latin letters, so that's the alphabet that we use, or numbers. So UI Scuti is, if you want to find it, in the direction of the constellation of Scuti. Now, it's not going to be something that you can just see with your own eyes. You're going to need a telescope to see it. We have found another star, Stevenson 218, which we think is even bigger. Now, this one does not come from the constellation of Stevenson. It's actually from a catalog. So sometimes stars are named after catalogs of people who, or after the con the um, telescope, excuse me, that was used to find them. So Wolf 359, for instance, is one of the closest stars to the sun. It's a very, very little faint red dwarf. And it's named after that catalog, which is named after the person whose last name was Wolf, which I think is a really cool name, by the way. I would love to have that as my last name. Or I think I'd make a good first name too. Anyways, so Stevenson 218 looks to us like it's bigger. Now, that's the biggest one that we found so far. But the thing is, space is really big. And our galaxy alone is huge. We've only just begun to explore our galaxy. And when I say explore, I mean with telescopes. Because we've never even left our own solar system with our actual machines. And the farthest any human's ever been is just the moon. So there's the whole galaxy and then the billions of galaxies beyond ours to explore. So are there other stars out there that are bigger? Probably. We just haven't found them yet. 
So the next thing to talk about is, well, why do stars get so big? And this has to do with stellar evolution. So how they change over time, how much mass, so how much stuff the star is made from, and what age it is. So stars, just like, well, everything else in nature, they go through stages. And we say they're life, they're not really alive, but it's kind of easy to think about that, right? Like when the star forms is when it is born, and when it stops fusing is when it dies. Again, it's not really alive, but sometimes we use those words to talk about it. It's kind of poetic to talk about it that way. So stars are huge, huge collections of lots and lots of stuff. And that stuff is mostly hydrogen, which here on Earth is going to almost always be in a gas state, unless it's mixed with something else. Like when you mix hydrogen with oxygen, you get water. But in its pure form, it's just going to be a gas. Now, in a star, it's been clumped together. Gravity has pulled lots and lots and lots of this together to make this really, really big ball. But here's the thing about gravity. The more gravity you have, the heavier it makes the stuff. So this is why if you see videos of astronauts on the moon, well, the moon isn't as dense. There's not as much moon as there is Earth. So the gravity of the moon isn't as strong. So astronauts don't weigh as much on the moon as they do on Earth, which is one of the reasons they can bounce around. It looks like they're bunnies hopping on the moon, right? Even though they're wearing those big plunky suits, the gravity just isn't as strong. So they can jump higher. They don't weigh as much. But here on Earth, we weigh a lot more. And if we could go to another planet that has even more gravity, we'd weigh more there. Now, if we could stand on a star without, well, we can't do it because it's way too hot and it's not actually solid. But let's say that somehow we had really cool advanced spacesuits that let us do it. The gravity would be so strong that we would be squished because we would weigh so much. Same thing happens to this hydrogen. So... The weight of the hydrogen is squeezing down on the star from every single direction and it heats it up. It gets it really, really hot because it's squeezing and squeezing and squeezing all of that material. Now, eventually it gets so hot that those hydrogen atoms, so the atoms are the really small little pieces of hydrogen, the smallest piece of hydrogen that you could have is a single atom. It gets those atoms so hot that it smashes them together and causes fusion to happen. So it builds them into bigger and heavier elements. And this process releases some energy. Now this is good because otherwise the gravity would just keep squeezing and squeezing and squeezing until eventually that star would just squish into a black hole, right? Well, the fusion is gonna push back this energy that holds back the weight of that all of that material crushing down and it holds the star up so there's a balance between the fusion pushing outwards and the gravity crushing in from this star now the stronger the gravity is the more and more it's going to crush and make the star smaller and smaller 
Now, smaller for a star. Remember, stars are still huge compared to planets, let alone little tiny people like us. So they're giant, giant, giant. But it's squishing down, squishing down. And the more it squishes, the hotter it gets at the core. The hotter it gets, the more fusion there is. So the more it pushes back. And for most of a star's life, remember they're not really alive, but the amount of time that they last for, they're going to be in this balanced state. But as the star gets older and older, it starts to use up more and more of the material at its core. That hydrogen starts all getting converted into helium. And eventually, there isn't any hydrogen left at the core. And so the star, it slows the fusion down, right? Because it's hydrogen being fused into helium. That means it's going to start to cool down so gravity can win a little bit because gravity is always there. It's like this ongoing battle between gravity and fusion. So it squeezes down. And when it does that, it makes the core of the star even hotter. And it shoots it up to really high temperatures to about 100 million degrees hot. And when it gets that hot, then the helium, those atoms can start merging and fusing together and they're going to fuse and turn into carbon so we can take three heliums it's called the triple alpha process and turn that into carbon which by the way if you look at your hands right now a lot of you is carbon so a lot of you was made this way in an ancient star way back we think okay but that process that releases a whole bunch of heat and a whole bunch of energy way more than it was doing when it was just a regular star, we call a main sequence star, fusing the hydrogen into helium. Now when the helium is fusing, it pushes back and it's way stronger than it was before. So it pushes back against gravity and it causes the star to start to swell up and grow. Um, I imagine it kind of like a balloon, right? Just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so that is what we call a red giant. Now all the really big stars that we know of like UI Scooty or Stevenson 218, these are red giant stars that are really, for their lifespan, old stars at the end of their lives, swelling up and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, over time, they are going to run through all of the helium and turn that all into carbon. And then they're going to take that carbon and start fusing it. And then on and on and on until they go all the way to when they make iron. Now what happens next is pretty exciting because once the star tries to take iron and fuse iron together, the problem is iron, when you do fuse it, it doesn't give off energy. It actually has to use extra energy from its surrounding to be able to fuse, which means it stops pushing against the gravity. And gravity finally wins. The whole star comes crashing down on itself. And then it explodes back outwards. And that's the supernova. And so that's a beautiful, huge explosion that happens. And that spreads the material that was inside the star that's been building up in the star for millions or billions of years. And it spreads it out into space where eventually it can clump together and form new stars and new planets and maybe even 
new civilizations that we might meet one day. So it's all part of this big cycle. So when we see those big stars, we're seeing the stars at the end of their life right before from their perspective. Remember, they live a lot longer than us right before they go supernova. All right, this was fun. It's always great to talk about stars. So thank you so much. And thank you everyone for being here with us on the podcast, learning about space and science together. If you have topics or questions that you'd like us to talk about, have your grown-ups send that in to the email in the description. And as always, my friends, I hope you have dark skies and remember to stay curious.